Welcome to the Real Family Guys podcast with Jeff Emery and Trey Gibson, the show where education and experience collide to help you go deeper in your parenting. Broadcasting from Abilene, Texas, here are your hosts, Jeff and Trey. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Real Family Guys podcast. This is the show where experience and education collide. Chicka chicka boom boom. To take you deeper in your parenting. The date today is July the 1st, 2016, start of the month. We get the first on this Friday coming to you guys. Our topic for today is going to be Girls Gone Wild, teaching boys about aggressive girls. Now, I want you guys to stay tuned to this. This is going to be a really episode, uh, excuse me, an interesting episode. We're going to talk a little bit about protecting your kiddos from aggressive girls. In a culture where we are seeing that there are a lot of girls out there that are very sexualized and very aggressive, what do we do to help our sons prepare for that? We talk a lot about that with what do we teach our girls for aggressive right. boys because we often I mean that's that's a classic stereotype and it's true however there's also seeing an upsurgence of uh, media attention towards aggressive girls what do we do with our boys because that's not something that we talk a whole lot about we're going to get into that a little bit today stay tuned for that before we do Let's get into some quick housekeeping. If you guys want to stay notified of all the new episodes that come out here at the Real Family Guys podcast, quick and easy way to do that, go over to thefamilypodcast.com. Over on the right-hand side, you'll see a little browser bar where you can enter your name and email address. If you get there and you notice it looks a little different than normal, guys, that is true. I did have to change uh, the mail system that we're using. It's a little bit different now. Everybody who is on the old list has been transferred to the new one, so don't worry about it. You're all there. Put your name, put your email address, submit that bad boy. Whenever you do, you'll make sure that you stay notified of all the new episodes that come out here at the Real Family Guys podcast, so that way you never miss out on a show show that might could have changed everything about your week also hey you guys got any questions comments thoughts concerns a topic that you want to cover we have been getting some emails in about some some stuff that you've been shooting over to us we are going to talk about those things when we get there i promise guys we will get those in there uh so don't despair we will get those up there but shoot them over to us trey gibson at the family podcast network.com or jeff at texas family institute.org no it does not matter which one you send those to some of you guys send them to both that is fine as well shoot us let us know what's interesting you what topics are interested to you and uh, what you want us to cover even if it's just you're like man i I bet Trey and Jeff would really love that. They, we love that kind of stuff as well. Shoot them over to us because we want those as well. All right, Jeff, with all of that was some quick housekeeping today. With all the housekeeping out of the way. <laughs> we're getting right to it. Hey, what are we talking about, man? All right. So um, <laughs> Girls Gone Wild is, is the the name or the, the title <laughs> of this, uh, this podcast, which, um, you know, we, we always try to make the, the titles interesting in some way. Um, a lot of times all they do is reflect our twisted sense of humor. Um, but uh, but hopefully they're, they're a little bit of clickbait because we want people to hear about our podcast. We want them to click through. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of worried <laughs> once uh, once this gets on, uh, on some um, optimization engine stuff going on. <laughs> on the internet, well, what kind of people we're going to have clicking through here? Maybe the, it'll be people who need to hear good old fashioned, you know, family values. So maybe it'll be a good thing. But um, <laughs> first yeah, off, girls. I want to say I think that our topics are really good, and Jeff picks out almost every single one of these. We, I, I just fire and forget, and let Jeff's clever mind go to work, and he picks out all the show topics. Well, this one I ran across today. I was I was looking for trending parenting stuff, and you know, um, there's been a lot of stuff in the news recently about. Um, uh, about sexualized topics, everything from um, transgender rights and the homosexual agenda, and you know, um, just you know, I, I think uh, this last month was uh, was was LGBTQ um, Awareness Month or something like that, um, and uh, and you know, we're we're seeing stuff on. Um, <laughs> I even saw a reference um, on on a TV show that I was watching the other day. Um, 
that was a pretty mainstream TV show just casually mentioned Pornhub. Um, and I was like, oh, my goodness, they just they, they went there. They, they mentioned an actual website that, that people can go to that is, you know, something that um, wouldn't have been mentioned on TV, you know, in the past. And so it just kind of reminded me that uh, that I, I think as a society, our, our morals are kind of shifting to uh, to accept a, a kind of new norm. And it's kind of disturbing. So there's been a lot of this stuff in the news. But I think what we see a lot is boys misbehaving. Right. We, we yeah. see, um, yeah. you know, college rape cases where, uh, you know, there's there's been a frat boy that, uh, that has, um, you know, taken advantage of a drunk girl or something like that. And and so there's you know, we talk about victim shaming. We talk about uh, about making sure that, that we're not uh, falling into uh, letting people get off scot free and, and accountability and things like that. But somewhere lost in in the discussion is what I've run across today, which is why it, it kind of jumped out at me is. I, I think it's it's accurate that because we live in such a highly sexualized society that um, both boys and girls at a younger age are being exposed to um, sexuality in a way that that um, prematurely gives them an awareness before they have the maturity to to handle the information. So we see young boys and girls um, talking about sexuality and acting in in sexually sophisticated ways without having the emotional maturity to be able to handle it. And that's what we're talking about today is girls who have somehow gotten, um, been conditioned to understand that female sexuality is a powerful thing. And because they're trying to, to compensate or fill some void in their life because of family dynamics or lack of, uh, you know, strong father figures or whatever. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot of, of behavior, from young ladies that is pretty sexually aggressive uh, at a, at a young, in, in my opinion, inappropriate age. You know, this is a, an uncomfortable topic for us to often talk about. It's uncomfortable enough when we're talking about the more socially uh, understood problem of boys being girl crazy, right? I mean, we, we're, we're familiar with that. We've heard of that. We've grown up believing that that's just kind of a normal part of it. But nonetheless, it still makes us uncomfortable to talk about sexuality with our kids. It always has for years and years and years. I suspect that that's going to be very little likely to change as we get older because there's just right. so many people that find it to be such a taboo. But one of the worst things that we can do as a parent is ignore situations. And, and, and it was what Jeff brought up whenever he brought this topic to me this evening was we can't sit and be quiet about the fact that this is happening for whatever reason, whatever the cause is. I am of the firm opinion that it's been happening for years and years and years, but we're getting media attention on it now as well. And so one way or the other, we can't ignore the fact that it is very possible, if not probable, that our boys, our sons are going to bump in to girls that not only are very aggressive, but know a lot more than they do. What do we want them to do in these situations? How do we want them to act? How do we want them to react? Second, I want parents out there, maybe you're listening to this thinking, you know, I'm afraid I've got a kid, I've got a teenager, girl, a daughter who is becoming uh, mm. this aggressive type. We're going to talk a little bit about that way in a way that doesn't have to be shaming. It doesn't have to be hurtful. It can be very uh, a growth experience that can happen with our kiddos. What do we do with our girls as well? We're going to hit a little bit on each one of those sides. So stay tuned. we got some good stuff for you. Do you know the comedian Chris Rock? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Yeah. He, uh, he had a routine the a couple of years ago. big chicken. He got cracked. <laughs> well, he, uh, I, I don't know if this is part of a stand-up routine or if this is uh, you know some other uh, comedy uh, opportunity that he was doing, but I, I do remember him um, saying, 
as a father, one of my, you know, one of my goals is my number one goal with my daughter is to keep my daughter off the pole, you know, and, and, <laughs> right. and like that, that is my only job as a dad <laughs> is to keep my, and, and, you know, we laugh at that and we, and we joke because I mean, as a dad, I've got two daughters and I absolutely want to safeguard their purity and want them to, to grow up whole and, uh, and not resort to selling their body or, you know, any of that yeah. stuff. And so that that resonates, and I laugh at that. But um, yeah, but I, I, think I laugh, that, but no, seriously, that's my goal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's a lot of attention on you know um, being safeguarding our daughter's purity, and you know the the societal joke is wink wink nudge nudge. If my son's out there getting some, hey, way to go, son. You know, it's, it's like this double standard of how we expect yeah. our our sons to be sexually pure. Does that make right. sense? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So. Um, Sexual purity, I think, is is an important topic for us to uh, to breach uh, to broach with uh, with both our daughters and our sons, um, because I absolutely want my son to have um, have a morality and a sexuality that that is not um, bogged down with baggage of poor choices and consequences from sexual behavior um, before he enters into that partnership that I hope will be a lifelong partnership with uh, with his his life mate, his soulmate, right? Um, but I, I can't do that if I'm going to buy into this double standard, right? And so that's why this article um, just raised my awareness. I'm like, well, it, you know, we we because we we often portray that double standard. I, I think sometimes we don't do a very good job of making sure that we talk to our sons about how to um, how to be morally strong and, and upright in their sexual activity or, or lack thereof in their purity um, because they're going to run across girls who have the mindset that all boys want is to get into their pants. And so they're going to assume that that's what my son wants too, even if I'm trying to teach him better. And that's going to send a mixed message to him. So we've got to be able to talk to our kids about this um, and in a way that, uh, that equips them to be able to, to make um, healthy decisions for themselves. Yeah, agreed. Um, so this uh, this got started when when I ran across this article. It was written by a guy named Dennis Rainey, who's the author of a book called Interviewing Your Daughter's Date. It was published in 2007, and it's basically this idea of making sure that uh, the, that he was safeguarding his, his daughters, right? And so he got a letter from a mom who kind of turned the tables on him. She said, uh, I have a very outgoing, charming, attractive 15-year-old son, and I have literally been chasing the girls away from the door ever since the seventh grade. The phone calls, identified by caller ID, were left for the answering machine to answer. Uh, the aggressiveness and promiscuity of young girls nowadays is beyond words. Their dress is so alluring and inviting to a young man. What's a guy to do? Moreover, what's a mom to do? Right. So he, get, he gets this letter from a mom saying, hey, can you give us some some advice on how to um, – maybe interview our son's dates instead, you know? And that was, that was the idea that, that kind of sparked this article. And, and he's actually written some, uh, some other information. Uh, let's see. I'm going to scroll down here and see if we can look at the name of the other book that came out of this. Um, yeah. It was called Aggressive Girls, Clueless Boys, Seven Conversations You Must Have With Your Son. And that's, uh, I think, what this article is, is kind of in a summary, uh, a summary of, of that, that book. Um, so Trey, you were saying earlier that, uh, the, one of the things that, that you kind of, uh, out of the gate reading through this, this, uh, blog post, you said, eh, I'm not sure that, that this is entirely accurate. He, uh, he mentions that his experience growing up was that he ran 
pardon me, ran across some girls that we would term um, boy crazy, you know, kind of putting that in, in air quotes here, boy crazy. Um, but from his experience, he said very few were as forward and as aggressive as what we're seeing today. And your assertion of what we were talking about earlier was, nah, there have always been aggressive girls out there. Maybe he just wasn't exposed to them. Yeah, you know, the the problem with the way that he words is, first off, I, I want to make sure that if Mr. Rainey, if you ever come on and hear this show one of these days, maybe years down the line, I want you to hear me say that you and I agree on a lot of stuff here. The The problem that I'm having is there's a lot of uses of superlatives in here that are like, this is the way it, that, it, that it is now always. And, and I, have a, I have a hard time with mentalities like that. I, I don't think that the notion of women that have grown up to be aggressive is anything new. I don't think there's anything new under the sun with that. I think that has been something that's been as long as humanity has existed existed and females have existed I do believe that there have been those that have found ways to leverage their sexuality in an aggressive way to get the things that they feel they want in the way they feel that they want them, and it's nothing new. I'm going to assert that. We're looking at a lot of media attention on it lately. We've got a lot. I mean, let's be honest. Facebook connects us in a way that has never connected us before, because not only are we able to share our conversations about what we did, but our belief systems and the articles that we agree with, et cetera. And so I think we're just getting a lot more attention on it, less than it being about that all of a sudden that it's a I might be wrong in that. I, I do understand that we've got a lot more media things that assault them, like TV, and that show that it's perfectly fine to be this way, and girls take it, adopt it. Maybe maybe it really is increased, but I have a sneaking suspicion it's just new tools for an old thing. And it's hard to quantify that because I don't think anybody keeps records, but you're right. I mean, all the way back, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Bible stories about um, about Delilah and, you know, exactly. and Jezebel right. and, and things like that. So there there have been stories throughout human history of women who were forward. Uh, even in um, what the Canterbury Tales, we have the wife of Bath, right, who was um, rather rather promiscuous in, uh, in her dealings. And that was medieval, you know, times when women didn't have any power. So, <clears throat> so. Um, and I, I want to issue the caveat here also that we're not talking about all young ladies, right? This is not a blanket, yeah, you know, if you've got a daughter, you need to worry that, uh, that she's sexually agreed. promiscuous or that she's, you know, um, but I, I think the conversation can go both ways. And I just want to say that tonight we're focusing on one side of the conversation. We're not ignoring that or, or trying to say that the responsibility goes on girls to dress modestly and to not um, never be flirtatious at all uh, because boys are just can't help themselves. That's not that is not where we're going at all. Outstanding point, Jeff. Outstanding yeah. point. Um, but I do think the, the question that he asks here in this article is, is a valid question. How can we prepare our teenage sons for dealing with the attention and temptation being thrown at them by some sexually aggressive girls? Uh, that, that's the question, word for word, how he, how he puts it in this article. And I think it's a good question. So uh, he starts off by just kind of explaining the situation. How did we get to a situation what is going on in the hearts of these young girls that, that is pushing them toward this assertiveness in, with their sexuality? And he gives a couple of reasons for it. So let's, let's run through those real quick. Uh, first of all, and we've already mentioned this, uh, we, we live in a culture that glamorizes sexuality. Um, and um, not just to attract the attention of men who buy the products, but also to kind of set the standard for um, – from a society's perspective, how women ought to behave, right? And so we see television shows and movies and, and commercials, magazines, even magazines that cater to women. Um, a lot of the the dressing up and, and fashion stuff has nothing to do with men. It's it's trying to convince women that they need to look a certain way or act a certain way um, in in ways that uh, that actually turn out to be pretty detrimental, 
right? Um, everything from um, body image uh, problems. You know, we see these young girls who look at these photoshopped images in fashion magazines and they think, wow, if I don't look like that, I'm not fashionable. I don't look good, right? And so I really appreciate the uh, the initiative that some companies like um, like uh, Dove, the uh, the soap company, has uh, has taken to uh, to kind of normalize what what normal curvy female bodies look like so that uh, the young girls don't have to fall into that um, that subculture that says if I don't look this way I'm not good enough you know but the point is that our culture glamorizes uh, the female form and and utilizing your sexuality in order to have some sort of relationship with men. Well, you know, Corey and I, my wife and I have been talking a lot about this particular topic, largely because we have a daughter that just turned double digits. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this stuff, I mean, we, we're, we're big preparers. We are not, you know, la, 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 she's not really that old. I mean, we're big preparers with this kind of <laughs> stuff. And so we've really been stopping to think about and really not just be ready to combat and say, you can't wear this, this is what you can wear, but we really want to have a very in-depth understanding of why it is we believe what we believe. Because the reality is, is that often, whenever we try to portray these very good morals or these ethics that we've, you know, these rules that we've, you know, designed to to support the moral beliefs that we have, a lot of times we can't support them. And kids finally reach the point where they're like, you know what, forget you, I'm going to do this. I remember meeting with a girl Mm -hmm. who kept an entire week's worth of clothes in her backpack because she would dress one way when she left the house, and the minute she got there, she went to the bathroom, and she changed into her own little little clothes. They were very little. I mean, I mean that from a literal sense. They were little (laughs) clothes. And that's what she did every time. And so, I mean, like, you know, everything was failing with, with what these parents were trying to do. And so, we we have to have a mentality of how we understand this. And we were talking a lot about this and how culture pushes a lot of these things. And we were asking ourselves, okay, so what really is our issue with a lot of these things that we're seeing pop up? What are we? What is the issue with low crop shirts? What is the issue with uh, short skirts or whatever else? And, and we were realizing that in a large part, what really bothers us about it is what is that you know these particular types of clothes trying to emphasize? Guys, I'm mm-hmm. not saying I have everything wrong. If 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 you've got a kid that likes short shorts. This is not a, uh, let me tell you what Trey's morals is, and you better have them too. It's not that at all. But what we looked at, what we saw out of it was, was that a lot of them are about appealing to only what men want. And, uh, or what the men, perception of what, what men exactly want. That's exactly right. What, right. Exactly right. And so it's, and Corey and I, as we began to talk about it more, because I was asking Corey a lot about, you know, growing up, being a girl, and what it was like. And we began to realize that in a lot of ways, uh, it's kind of a, an idolatry in and of itself. Now, you guys know, Jeff and I have never, you know, hidden the fact that we have uh, belief systems in terms of God of the Christian Bible. And, and uh, for us, that in a lot of ways, the for me, let me phrase that, it, you know, it, that it becomes an idolatry. It becomes man is the one that I appeal to. He's the one that I serve. I do everything that I can to for him to get his attention, to appeal to him, to make him happy. Instead of, in my belief system, it should be our God who lives above, right? The the you know Yahweh God of the Bible. And so anyway, but we began to put together how a lot of these things that we teach girls in the culture, we're talking about culture here, how the culture supports it. It's really about creating a sense of who do I serve? Well, I serve men because I want their attention or whatever else. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and and not only that, but um, but there's you know we we talked about um, just a minute ago about this perception of what men really want, right? And um, not only is that is that really inaccurate. I mean, my my experience as a therapist is that 
um, as human beings, we have a desire to be connected. We have a desire to, uh, we're social creatures. Um, and so relationship is really important. But the idea that, that all men want is to get into girls' pants um, is not accurate. Um, I mean, we have hopes and dreams and fears that are, that are every bit as real and legitimate as, as women's. And, um, and so to kind of have that stereotype. Now, the problem is all stereotypes have some basis in, in truth. There's a kernel of truth in there somewhere. Um, we're also sexual creatures. And so um, I, I think that, uh, that, that we're fighting on, on a couple of fronts here. Not only are, are girls buying into this idea that all boys want to do is get into your pants, but I think the boys are buying into the, hey, if you're not getting into girls' pants, then you're not really a guy. Agreed. And, and so, you know, we've got We've got two false assumptions and, and false realities that are being pushed by our culture that are unfortunately self-reinforcing. Um, so, you guys had no of, idea what you were getting into with this rabbit hole, did you? Yeah, part part of this is we gotta we gotta break the culture on both sides. So tonight we're talking about how do we how do we help our young men um, to to break that mold, right? So first of all, culture, right? We need to be aware of it. We need to be able to to, to talk about it. We need to be able to um, to help our kids understand. That just because culture says it needs to be that way, that it's okay for us to be counterculture. It, it's okay for us to to be different. In fact, from a spiritual perspective, the word holy just means set apart, and uh, and and we're called to, uh, from the standpoint of, of the Christian Bible, we're called to be holy. We're called to be to stand out from our culture. So you know, yay, counterculture. <laughs> so all right. So his second point here is uh, of, of why this is happening is that we have a whole generation of young men who are uh, confused about their own sexual identity, right? Um, And sexual identity is such a hot topic right now because we have an an influx of of access to the internet where things are not, uh, you know, you saw it on the internet, so it must be true, right? But there's so much stuff that's out there on the internet that's misinformation. So there are tons of young kids who are looking for acceptance and belonging. And because they're confused, and this is a developmental thing that's happening, they find stuff out there of, well, am I supposed to be this tough man's man or am I supposed to be sensitive, you know? Um, If I'm sensitive, does that mean that I have feminine qualities? Well, Does that mean that I'm gay? Well, you know, I don't quite fit in. So, you know, and so now we have this idea that gender is not something that, uh, that, that is firm when you show up on the planet and and match to your physical genitalia. Uh, but we have something called gender fluidity. Have you heard about this Trey? Oh, goodness gracious. Yes. Yeah. uh, Okay. Can I I tell a funny story about this, Jeff? Yeah. Yeah. Jump in. So, uh, so we, we've, we've got a particular person that, that, that I see at my other place of business and, and this particular person is so kind and so easygoing and such a nice person. Remembers all the birthdays of every person in the office and just a wonderful person and so laid back. Well, it's just today. Today, Jeff. This is no joke. Mm-hmm. Today they came in and they were flustered and, and upset and agitated. And it was all over their face. All I mean, it was visceral. I mean, you could see it down to the body language and the way they walked into the office. And I was just like, man, what is going on? Are you okay? I mean, what's happening? And they just they just got contorted and they said and they looked at me and they said have you seen the new copy of sports illustrated and i was like what uh-uh. <laughs> I was like, no i haven't and they said do you know who was on the front cover of sports illustrated i was like who caitlin jenner <laughs> and let me tell you this is this is a person who is so laid back and so easygoing and it, it was so but let me tell you the 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 sexual identity of Caitlyn Jenner being portrayed on the front of Sports Illustrated had this particular person very upset. 
Yeah, and I think that that's a, that's a great metaphor for what's happening in uh, with this generation is, is once again culture is promoting this idea uh, that if somebody is unhappy with um, with the concept that they have of themselves, their self identity, that we're turning it into something that is um, that is linked to our sexuality, and so. Well, do you remember? Uh, do you remember the movie Bedazzled with uh, oh, what's his name? Oh, I can't see him now. The guy from the Mummy. Oh, help me out, Jeff. Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Have you ever seen Bedazzled? I think it was um, called Bedazzled. I think is that the one with the um, Elizabeth Hurley, who yes. is like the devil. That's I, right. I don't think I ever saw it, but well, I remember the the people who were in it. There's so a, there's a few scenes in that are that are very pertinent to this. And there was one point where you know he he's sitting there and he basically says, you know, I want to be because he, he he was having a hard time landing this girl. And he's like he, he you know he wishes to the devil. He says, I wish to be the most sensitive man ever. And so it turns out like that that now he's trying to interact with this girl that he's trying to get with because she said she wanted him to be more sensitive. And it's like he's you know he's sitting there and like he cries at everything and she's getting so repulsed by him because like he sees a, a crab on the seashore and he's like oh it doesn't have a mom and he's crying and then he oh the sea you know the sunset is so beautiful and he cries and she can't stand him so then he wishes to be like the most manly man ever and the next thing you know he's like this this super manly man with this huge bushel of, of chest hair and he's a you know he's like this this colombian drug lord you know <laughs> and he's like super masculine and, and all this other stuff and it's this play of how it must be one or the other and as much as i think that's a dichotomy Dichotomy that that is overacted a little bit for the sake of the humor of the movie. The reality mm-hmm. is, I think there's a lot of truth to what Bedazzle, Bedazzle was saying is is that we're portrayed these two different things, and we're portrayed them in almost a ludicrous sense. You must be overly aggressive to the point of violent, or you must be overly sensitive to the point that you cry at the smallest of things. And so, I think we really do have a group of boys that are like, "What the heck is the right flipping answer? Am I supposed to be sensitive? Or am I supposed to be aggressive? Am I supposed to be strong? Or what is strength? Is being ultra sensitive?" Anyway, you get it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a confusing message, um, and like I said, we have we have unprecedented access to, I mean, things concepts that that, that I don't think that uh, that young people are are prepared to to really delve into because they're still in the process of developing their identity, and so they've got a lot of questions, and now they're exposed to this uh, to to confusing signals from society and and reading online. All they want is to be accepted, and, and before. Um, they would have just had friendships with uh, with other kids, but now they're they're wondering, um, you know, is is this friendship something more than a friendship, or you know, do I fit in here? If yeah, I don't fit point. in, yeah. if if I don't fit in, well, how how do I fit in? Well, this is where that sexualized message is um, is glamorized by society. So um, another point that he makes here, I, I don't want to get stuck on on the first one. This. The, the next point actually dovetails into his third point. He talks about the breakdown of the family uh, resulting in a generation of not just daughters who have been, been abandoned, but he also makes the point that many young men are growing up without a father or a male figure to provide guidance. And yeah. so these young men have no idea of how they should expect to be treated by a real young lady. And vice versa. I, I would even argue, I think we're at a stage now, we're past this. I think we're looking at the next generation of men who had no man or, or you know, no, no mother or no father in their lives that are now trying to raise kids in the same situation. And yeah. so now it's like a second generation level of issues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. And, and it's exacerbated because, like you said, you know, they're trying to do better than what they, <laughs> the blind what they had the given blind, to them. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they, they don't know what to do, right? Yeah. And and so on the girl side of things, in, in the absence of a healthy emotional attachment to their father and, and mother because of the breakdown of the family, um, he says they're trying to fill their emotional gas tanks with the opposite sex. And so, you know, that's it, that feeds right into this idea that they're, we have young women who are being more aggressive sexually because they're trying to meet a need, an emotional need, uh, inappropriately yeah. because – Society says, how do you meet your emotional needs? Have sex. Well, yeah, you know, that's that's not the only way to meet your emotional needs. Right. So finally, he says, uh, we've got those three things, culture, um, confused sexual identity, and then, um, you know, the breakdown of the family. And finally, he said, there's little or no preparation for adolescents occurring among parents of preteens or early teens. Right. Yeah, when you ask parents of preteens, how many of them would like their children to have the same experience they had in adolescence? Man, no, I want my kids to have uh, to have a, a better experience, right? But those same parents, as their kids move into the adolescent years, they're they're just unprepared. I mean, I teach a parenting class, and and I I get questions from parents all the time, just not understanding. Even though they remember what it was like to be uh, an adolescent, to be a teenager, um, they're they're looking at it now backwards through the lens of adulthood. And, you know, we forget a lot of, of things of how we felt and how we dealt with things. And so we just it, we find it hard to relate to our kids. We don't talk to them very well. We don't we have you know poor communication with them. You know, it's a it's a pretty common thing when you try to connect with your kid and you ask them, well, how'd your day go? Fine. Well, and we we feel uncomfortable with trying to dig things out of them. We want to give them the privacy. And so we don't follow up on things. And so we miss opportunities to really connect with them and to give them any kind of guidance with the things that are going on in their life. And you know who they're going to for guidance, Trey? Well, probably the media. Yeah. Well, first of all, to each other. Right. (laughs) Which is where I know that. I think you're absolutely right. That's scary. Yeah. Um, they go, they go to each other for, for advice. And then if they can't find it, instead of talking to their parents, because it might be a little bit embarrassing, they're looking online. And what are they seeing online is a bunch of other kids who are detached and who are who don't have healthy attachment and who are looking for things. And so they're finding these artificial relationships online. I, I mean, I see in counseling all the time kids who are coming in and they're distraught that their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them. I'm like, well, tell me about them. Well, I've never met them. You know, we, we, we date online. <laughs> you don't even have to actually have a face-to-face relationship. Um, yeah, there's there's so many things that are different nowadays. So parents don't know how to handle adolescence, and that's that's part of this problem, right? Um, so once again, the author, Dennis, uh, is that right, Dennis Rainey? That's correct, yep, yep. Yeah, Dennis Rainey. Um, he, he makes the point that teenagers need training to understand the culture of peer pressure and what's happening to them with their hormones and what's happening in the opposite sex. And he recommends that, uh, that, that parents... Um, do some intensive training with their kids. Um, so I, I'm curious, uh, Trey, if, if you've if you've had to um, if you've had to approach that yet with your kids. You know, <laughs> the answer to that is no. But hear me out. The answer is no because, frankly, we've been so open about. I mean, <laughs> we don't hang, for instance, like socks off a doorknob and say, "Don't come in." We're very we're very uh, formal about what's going on in there, and and for the younger ones, when we say, for instance, uh, guys, okay, if you got little kids, earmuff them right now. But if <laughs> I mean, if my wife and I are gonna have sex, we I mean, we say we I mean, it, we're going into a room, guys, don't come in here. We're gonna have sex. I, I mean, some people may disagree with that, but I mean, we do that, and then little kids don't even know what that means. They just know don't go in there. 
Right. Older kids, when they're ready, finally say, what do y'all, you know, what's, what do you mean? You know, and so we've been explaining those kinds of things to our kids since they were younger. So, I mean, no, I mean, I guess the answer is yes. We, there was no formal talk ever. It was just kind of a, it, gradually as they got older. I mean, they, you know, they get subjected to it. So, I mean, we're weirdos. I, that's all I can say is we're weird. We're just weird people. So I'm, I'm curious. Do you remember your parents having the talk with you? Um, uh, ye, I'm not sure I do. Yeah. Maybe they did. My my parents were pretty open, but I'm that may have been a sex ed thing that I learned, or maybe it was. Maybe it was friends. Now I do remember. I do remember that my parents always they had certain things like if if there was a sex scene that popped up on a TV, they changed the channel and said what was wrong with that picture, and they mm-hmm. said they weren't married. And so they imparted. Now they imparted that kind of wisdom. I'm talking very young, and I mean it worked. I mean I believe the reason I didn't have sex all the way until I got married to, to Corey was because of what they did by teaching me that. But I don't remember a, a direct talk about the birds and the bees and how it works. Well, we're uh, we're coming up on uh, this weekend on the, um, I guess, 20th anniversary of, of uh, me remembering having the, this talk with my parents. Uh, and when I say that, I know because I got married on July 6th. And on July 4th, um, I, I remember my, my dad saying, hey, son, you're uh, you're about to be married. Um, I don't know that we ever had that talk. Is there anything you need to know? <laughs> <laughs> like two days, two days before I got married. Right. Maybe I should so, tell you about this now. Right. Right. So and and you know, jokingly, I, I've seen it portrayed on on TV shows and stuff where uh, where nowadays you know parents come to their kids and say, yeah, we need to talk about sex, and the kid says, all right, dad, what do you need to know? You know, uh, the, 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 it's just so pervasive in our society that the, the kids seem to know more or are willing to talk about it more freely than, uh, than the adults are, right? So um, I know that for us, uh, not only have, have we done this, but I've recommended it to other parents, is um, it can get, for a lot of families that aren't as, uh, as weird as y'all's, apparently, <laughs> it, it can be something that's uncomfortable because um, of the way that, that it has been framed by society. Um, the, the conversation has been framed as something that we can joke about sex, we can make fun of sex, we can, um, but we can't be serious about it, right? And so that, that makes it a very difficult thing to talk about for a lot of people. And so what, what we've recommended and what we've done is uh, when we need to have the talk with our kids about puberty, about what's happening in their bodies or about, about that sex talk, is to, um, to kind of distance yourself from it being me giving you information or me telling you about us and our situation situation and you know there's there are plenty of good books out there that have been written um that that discuss the the topics very well that you can read together and then y'all are discussing something somebody else is talking about and you're not necessarily having to make it super personal and awkward right so that's one way if uh, if you're looking and parents have asked me before hey jeff how do we talk to our kids about this well if you can't come right out and do it if that's not what your relationship is set up like then i recommend you know do some research go to amazon and and search for, um, for you know, how do I talk to my kids about sex? And uh, and then, you know, get a book and, and read through it together. Um, that way you can go through the topic. So um, from Dennis Rainey's perspective, um, he says here in this podcast or in this, uh, this blog post, he, he says you need to handle six assumptions as you are going to start training and educating your sons in how to handle aggressive girls. Here are the assumptions you need to be aware of. Number one, young boys are clueless. To a lot of what's going on around them. Okay, that's an assumption, um, and I, I think that that's true and it's not true. On the one hand, I, I think that um, I, I would say that young boys aren't, in in my perspective, aren't clueless necessarily, but they're misinformed. Yeah, 
you yeah. know that, that what they what they see is is an inaccurate representation like we were saying earlier you know men don't have to be super sensitive but they also don't have to be super macho right um i i think that's that while they're still young boys we need to talk to them ages 10 to 12. Uh, we need to talk to them about how they relate to the opposite sex before they start facing temptations um, to be physical or sexual with them. Right. Um, and he, he even says here in, in this assumption, he says there's a much greater probability of success um, if you can have these conversations before the hormones hit. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd agree with that. In, in my experience that um, talking to, to young men, not only my own son, but also as a youth minister, you know, when we've had summer camps or we've done things where we've had groups of young men, um, a lot of them have questions, but they're afraid to ask. And so they are. They're kind of clueless, or if they do know something, they're misinformed about about how relationships work. And so before they start getting super curious, it's a good idea to start cluing them in on what's going on, right? In fact, when when we had the uh, the, the puberty talk with, uh, with my son, um, I made sure not only to tell him physically what was going on in his body, everything from you know, hair growing in different places and hormones making you feel a certain way and, and, uh, and what a wet dream was and what masturbation was. Um, I thought it was important for him to understand what girls are going through, right? Um, and understanding, I, I made it real clear to him that, you know, he's going to be at school and he's going to hear kids, uh, other boys who are just becoming aware of what's going on puberty-wise with girls start to, to make jokes about girls being on the rag or, you know, if they're having their period or something like that. And they're going to make fun of it. And I said, son, I never, never, never want to hear you joining in and making fun of something that you're not having to experience or endure. Right. And so I had to explain to him what menstruation was and, and how it affected young ladies. And and so that he understood that it was something to be respectful of and, and, and not to 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 be rude or disrespectful with. You know what I mean? Yep, I get it. I get it. So young boys are clueless and we need to we need to hit the education piece with them when they're young uh, as early as 10 years old, because um, we kind of get ahead of the curve at that point. Right. So that's assumption number one. Anything you want to add to that, Trey? No, I absolutely agree with that. I, I do think that we're we're so we're we're kind of ah, la, 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 about this topic that we it makes us so uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it, and, right. and 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 we're we're leading to kids that again. We I mean we've said this a dozen times where we got kids that don't know what they're doing and they crave information about this stuff. I'll be willing to bet that in most cases, if you have even a moderately good relationship with your kid, they want to know what you believe about them. But if we're being silent about it, then then they're going to go find somewhere else to get this information exactly. from, and so. It's very, very, very important for us to talk to kids. I think it's beautiful what you've done with your family. Talk about what you're going through, what girls are going through. Just give them some understanding of what's going on. It doesn't have to be weird and awkward. It can just be simple facts so that way they understand and start prepping them before it's going on as yes. to what to expect. Right, because if they're already in the middle of it, it's just going to be confusing for them, right? So uh, assumption number two is we start to train and educate our sons. Um, Dennis Rainey says, you need to assume that aggressive girls will likely come into your son's life. Um, he says, the problem is that most parents won't know it because, and I believe this is absolutely true, most parents won't know it when those aggressive girls come into your son's life because your boys won't talk about it. Yeah. Teenage boys don't, don't, are not generally talkers, right? It could be taking place in your son's life and he's just not letting you know. So you have to pursue him in the process. You have to be willing to ask those questions, right? I think that's a safe assumption that he is going to run into, or, or at least the possibility that he's going to run into an aggressive, a sexually aggressive young lady um, is a safe assumption. And so 
we need to be asking about that. It's also why I think it's very valuable to, to teach our kids that we can be level-headed. And when they bring us topics, not even just about aggressive girls, not even about girls in general, but when they bring us any topic that's a little bit uh, emotionally charged, that we keep a level head. So that way they know, if I go talk to Dad about this, Dad's not going to flip out and be a, 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 right. a turd nugget to me or, or act all freaked out and weird about it. Then they're not going to – it's not going to draw them in to talk to us about it next time. Keep a flat head when they ask you about anything it'll help alleviate some of this because then they'll feel comfortable coming to you. So assumption three and assumption four run together. Uh, he says, uh, if we're going to train our, our young sons about how to handle aggressive girls, uh, we as parents need to have a protective plan. And that plan needs to involve fathers and sons, but assumption number four, it also needs to include moms. Um, because I, I, and I agree with this. I think that dads and moms being, um, male and female, are going to have different thought processes and different experiences that are going to be beneficial in, in educating our kids about, about both sides and both perspectives. And so as much as is possible, yes, this, this plan that, that we have that is supposed to be proactive needs to involve not just, well, you go talk to him, you're the man. It needs to be, well, let's both go talk to him because he needs both our perspective. Yeah, agreed. Assumption number five, he says, with son, with the son, all this instruction, teaching, and a call to accountability doesn't end with the adolescent years. It continues on into adulthood. Um, I, I think that this is actually a really interesting thing, uh, point that he makes here. Um, he says, in his opinion, this temptation, or in, in some cases, even sexually aggressive women, um, it doesn't end once you get married, right? There's still women who prey upon married men. And every man needs another man in his life who's asking him, hey, remember those conversations we had, right? And why not Why not be you as the parent? Remember those conversations we had, son? You're a married man now, but that doesn't exempt you from t- temptation. How are you doing with that, right? Accountability is something that, uh, that we need to have whether we're you know, 16 or whether we're 60. You know, this is brilliant. The reality is this. I mean, listen, a lot of these reasons that lead up to where we are with a lot of this is that people are unhappy. And when they're unhappy, they do crazy things to meet their needs. I mean, we all kind of get that way. If we feel like we're not in a good place we, we and we can't, we feel like we can't get there, we'll try to do crazy things to get there. It's why we have alcoholism and, and various addictions and whatnot is because we're trying to meet some need, right? And it's no different with this is that unhappy people are going to occur. It doesn't matter whether it starts out with our little girls. In most cases, if something is not dealt with by... For instance, going to see a therapist, a lot of times those beha- those habits may even kind of get masked for a while, but they mm. have a tendency to resurface. And, and when they do, if we're not keeping our, our, our kids in that full armor that we talk about, if they're not in their full armor when they go out there with this, marriages are just as, as susceptible to this kind of stuff in any other place. And it is incumbent upon us to keep that relationship built with our children. And to understand mentally, I just don't even think we think about this sometimes, right? We want to believe that a person gets married, they live happily ever after. Heck no, man. That is a prime place to attack anything is when they think they're safe. That's right. So keeping our kids and realizing just because you are married does not mean that you are safe. You still need to practice these things. Hey, how you doing? And if we're going to be telling this to our sons, then the reciprocal truth is there uh, that I hope that uh, they'll be able to put that that point to is that uh, that we need accountability as well. Um, Agreed, by the way. Yes, agreed. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right. Assumption number six and the last assumption in this little section, he says your son needs a call to manhood. Right. Um, 
And, and you know, Trey, I've seen different initiatives where where people have recognized that there is a, a lack of leadership for a lot of young men. And I've seen it everything from a, uh, a spiritual perspective where we have um, at clubs at, uh, at, at church or something that, uh, that talk about what um, what manhood looks like or what fatherhood looks like or things like that. So even um, in in communities where there uh, is a, a breakdown of, of family structure and a lot of uh, young men and women growing up without uh, without fathers, um, I've seen I've seen schools, I've seen YMCA's, I've seen people step up to say, "This is what this is what um, being a man looks like." Right. Um, how do we step up and become that moral man, that noble man, that spiritual man, right? And I think that uh, that even as our kids are going through the developmental process, we need to remind them that, that there is there is an end result that we're working toward here and that we're calling them to step up in maturity and to step up in, um, in how they behave toward others and how they see other people. So uh, Dennis Rainey goes, goes on here and, and links in a kind of a spiritual perspective that, uh, that I, I think is um, – is, is has a lot of wisdom to it. He talks about uh, an illustration of, of calling a young man into maturity um, is outlined in, in Proverbs. And I got to say, Proverbs is is a fantastic collection of, of what's called wisdom literature. Um, it's not necessarily uh, a guarantee if you do this, then this will happen, right? But it is a, a guideline of here's a general way of living that is a wise way of living. And, uh, and so it's wisdom literature. And so in the book of Proverbs, chapters five through seven, the writer is reflecting back on conversations that he has, that he's had with his son about being wise in his relationship with women. And uh, the author here, Dennis Rainey, um, summarizes it. And he says, basically, over and over, he says, listen, my son, hear my warnings. Listen to what I say, because it's important. Don't mess around. Don't you got to be serious in your relationship. Don't don't play fast and loose. Don't fool around with women, especially a sexually aggressive woman, because <laughs> she runs a halfway house to hell. Right? She has your grave clothes and your coffins on. Head up. This is dangerous stuff we're talking about here. This is his paraphrase of Proverbs chapter seven. And so we need to remember that not just because a, a, a female is approaching us and, and seems to want to have a relationship with us, it may not be. Um, th- there may be other purposes behind it. We've already talked about, you know, young women who are trying to fill an emotional void in their life by having a physical sexual relationship that is not going to fill that void for her. But in the process, uh, a young man, if he's tempted and, and can't see that there's something else going on, can very easily fall into an emotional trap and and take and carry some emotional baggage with him um, into his adult life because of an unfortunate experience when he's younger. You know, I don't think that we push this nearly enough, or I don't think, and I'm saying this as a self-revelation here, but it, we don't emphasize the importance of this enough. This scripture is on to something very, very heavy. This is a very deep topic here because I, I don't think that we realize it can take, we can build a marriage for years and do great and, and have a wonderful relationship with our wives with our and our husbands and and things can be absolutely amazing but it's it is incredible how one mistake something done with this particular person they're talking about here in this scripture one thing can ruin everything now listen you guys don't have to believe in the bible or anything like that for this to make sense you can build a marriage and in one night you can blow everything that makes that marriage strong out of the water. And there's a reason why we're Absolutely. emphasizing this stuff right here so much. They say that we talk about this halfway house to hell, and that sounds like such emotionally charged language. Listen, that's not emotionally charged. That is a pure fact of life. 
And it is so important to teach our children, our boys, our young men, how valuable it is to stay away from this person because one decision made foolishly with this type of person that we're talking about here can mess years of things up with their spouses. So I think it's beautiful that we teach our kids this mentality. Heads up, this is dangerous stuff we are talking about here. I, I see that in my counseling practice all the time, Trey. And, and when people have had a breach of trust, it is, uh, it's imperative that, that we recognize that trust can be a very strong thing. It can make us feel very, very secure, but it's also a very fragile thing. And and once it's broken, um, restoring it to uh, to strength again can be can be very very challenging. So, so overall, um, Dennis is is saying in in this uh, blog post that he identifies a problem that uh, for a variety of reasons uh, we are we are facing the reality that that our young sons may be exposed to uh, to girls who will tempt them. Uh, for a variety of reasons, and uh, we need to prepare our sons on how to handle that, right? And part of it is this being able to talk to them about um, about the behavior, being able to advise them on how to handle it, uh, being able to give them both perspectives from the mom and the dad, um, and being able to call them into this this maturity and decision making process that um, that where we see the long term consequences of. Uh, decisions that we make when we're young, right? Right. Um, but he he goes on and he says that uh, that there's the other side of this, and maybe we, we might want to in the future spend some time talking about it from uh, from the girls' perspective of how we can equip our daughters um, with the same subject. Uh, but he does give us uh, four, um, I guess, guidelines here that uh, that he tacks on to the end of this article about young men. He says, if you're raising a daughter, here are at least four things you should you should consider. Um, you're, you also, just as much as we need to call our sons to manhood, we need to equip our daughters with a healthy God-centered perspective of our sexuality. Um, now, um, I'm not exactly sure what he means by God-centered perspective, um, but I'm going to go ahead and, and throw my interpretation of what, what he means here. Um, I think that he, what he's identifying is that um, most of us see our sexuality as um, as something that, that is, is for ourselves and for ourselves only. Um, and I think that, that from my perspective, my understanding, a God-centered perspective over sexuality is my sexuality doesn't belong just to me. It also belongs to my wife. And um, there's an old joke that, uh, that, that we told in youth ministry circles, Trey, about a, about a young youth minister who went to, a, uh, who went to this, uh, this marriage retreat with uh, with a bunch of other men from his congregation, and um, the uh, you know, the talk is is taken to a point where they separate the men from the women, and the wives go off in one direction, the men go off in another direction, and uh, and so well, it's a gathering of just men uh, who came to this marriage retreat, and uh, the speaker gets up and, and he says, you know, does anybody have anything that they'd like to ask? And this young man raises his hand. And he says, um, guys, I, I I want you to pray for my wife. And they're like, yeah, yeah, what's going on? And he says, well, I, 
I know that uh, right now uh, she's probably being um, being tempted by some other men and maybe um, has an opportunity to engage in, in sexual behaviors with them. And um, I, I don't know that she knows how devastating it's going to be to our marriage. And they're like, wow, that sounds really serious. Yeah, but absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll pray for her. What's her name? And he goes, oh, I don't know. I haven't met her yet. <laughs> That's but clever. It's this, it's this idea of even even before I got married, a God-centered perspective on my sexuality is this gift of, of intimacy and, and closeness that is reserved for the person I'm going to be married with belongs not only to me, but also belongs to them. And if I'm giving it away to other people in, in a casual context, I'm creating unnecessary baggage I'm going to carry into that relationship later. You know, Does that make sense? Absolutely. Let me say... It, there is one word. I, I, th- I'm a nerd when it comes to words. I love to understand words. I subscribe to dictionary.com and I read every single new <laughs> word a day. I am a geek about this, but I have learned that there is such a beauty in, in expanding a vocabulary because there's so many things that I could not as clearly articulate until I learned a bigger word for it because that word was more succinct. And I love studying these words. And I'm telling you, I, I'm a geek, guys. I sit down and lament over how would I personally define a particular word. And so one of the words that I have wrestled over, this is not a joke, I have wrestled over this word, is the word, what does it mean to be flirty? What is flirty? Because we see Mm. it on both male and female sides. And I have gone through different definitions of, well, it's to try to garnish the attention of the opposite gender. And then I would think, well, okay, that's what my daughter does for me, you know, with me. Does that mean she's trying to be flirty? Well, no, okay, obviously it's not. And I have gone back and forth, and I have probably come up with four or five different definitions as to what it means to be flirty. And so I I spend a lot of time thinking about these kinds of things. Well, okay. All right. right, Let me pause, Jeff. I'm getting ahead of us. We've got some more we've got to go through before we get to that flirty part. So hang on. We'll come back to that. Jeff, go ahead. Okay. So this this idea of having a God-centered perspective of our sexuality um, is something that we absolutely need to be able to, to teach our daughters so that if they have that perspective, they're going to behave differently. Um, and, and he goes on to, to say that uh, and this is where I, I had the caveat at the beginning of our podcast today that, that we're not necessarily we're not trying to put all the responsibility on girls on not to entice young men or, um, you know, to be immodest in what they wear. We're not putting this on girls. But at the same time, I, I do think it's a valid argument that girls need to understand just as much as guys need to understand how, how girls' minds work um, as much as possible. Girls need to understand how guys' minds work. And she needs to understand how her clothes and how her beha- behavior um, could affect boys. And so when girls are too flirty or too friendly with boys, they need to be told, you know, this boy may be taking this wrong, right? And so if we witness our daughters being a little bit aggressive in their behavior, being too flirty, we need to kind of rehearse it and, and role play it and relive it later and talk about what it does to guys, right? And explain what's appropriate in terms of being in a friendly relationship between a young lady and a young man. Um, and not in a way that's blaming or rude, but we need to let them know that they what they may see as being friendly can become overly friendly, right? One of the ways that we talked about this, Trey, uh, I've talked to my kids about this, is um, I don't think that that relationship exclusivity, i.e. having a boyfriend or girlfriend, is a healthy thing for anybody who is not not working on having a, a long-term relationship is not lo- looking to get engaged or get married get married. So in high school, I saw this all the time and it's a pretty common thing. You know, is this your boyfriend? Is this your girlfriend? Right. It implies some sort of exclusivity, right? If this is my girlfriend, well, 
then she has a claim on me, right? And so I, I've told my kids, uh, this is one of the concepts that, that I've tried to hand down to them, um, that I don't want them to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I want them to date. I want them to, to experience, you know, what they like, what they don't like, and, and find out, you know, what this relationship stuff is about. But having an, an exclusivity, I think, is, is an inappropriate thing for young people to have. And it, it puts different burdens on them that they don't need to be emotionally dealing with until they're older. And so uh, what we've talked about is, you know, instead of having a boyfriend or girlfriend, you, you've got a crush, right? And it's okay to have a crush on somebody, but that crush is is a more, in my, in my um, way, manner of thinking, it's a more appropriate term for, um, I kind of like this person, so I'm, I'm crushing on them, but I'm not going to ask them to be exclusive with me because it's possible for me to like more than one person, especially when I'm not committed to anybody. It's possible for me to like girl A, girl B, girl C, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm under no obligation to only like one girl, right? And so I've, I've tried to help my kids understand that, is that this time of their life should be dating to find out, you know, who do I like? What personalities do I like? Um, who am I compatible with? Not to be locked into an exclusive long-term relationship. And so that's one of those perspectives that, that I'm trying to help my kids understand. And it informs how they treat members of the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. You know, again, thinking about that whole idea of flirtiness, you know, we, you know, Regardless of what you define flirty as, it is about garnishing the attention of somebody else. Typically, I, and this is the best definition I've come up with so far, it's about trying to garnish the attention from somebody else for sexual purposes uh, or with mm. sexual desire at the end result of it, right? We want to get their attention. I don't think that's necessarily unhealthy. I, I think that God designed us for it to be that way uh, sure. and that we were designed to be attracted to somebody. And I think that under his premise, it was supposed to be under the context of within a marriage, right? And that's a wonderful right. thing. One of the reasons why I have a hard time in endorsing the idea of flirtiness and kids a lot because we'll, we'll often dismiss that as a always oh, they're just being flirty with each other they're just flirting with each other and and I have I actually have a little bit of a problem with that kind of mentality when we're talking about God-centered perspective for our boys and our girls sexuality a lot of times when we're doing that we're teaching our kids in a lot of ways to seek out the attention of someone else for sexual purposes now I don't necessarily think that all young kids are like hey I'm gonna talk to this person and and say how nice they look and comment his biceps and comment how beautiful her eyes are for the sole purpose of getting in her pants I think when it starts out young it's very uh, what we see is very innocent and so what happens is they get into this this mentality of acting this way. And I think in a lot of cases, they just weren't ever taught why that might be dangerous. And so mm -hmm. they practice this mentality of getting close to somebody. And then they break up, right? And then this next person comes along, and we practice this again in, in, in garnishing that attention from somebody. Again, I think it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, but then we get into this habit of doing it over and over and over and over. And then the next thing you know, this has become such an ingrained habit that it can be really hard for some people to turn off. And they walk into a marriage committed, and they're just garnishing attention over, 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 and over, and over. Gar garnering. I think I just got corrected by Jeff. It's garnering <laughs> attention, not garnishing your plate with parsley. Garnering. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Very similar words. Very similar. <laughs> but yeah, I, Trey, you're, to speak to your point, I, I think that we do. We fall into these patterns without realizing how those patterns um, can affect us long term. And we develop filters of, of what things look like and how to expect the other person to relate to us in unhealthy ways because we do them over and over. So this is part of what we need to be doing, not only with our, our sons, but also with our daughters, is helping them to understand how their behavior um, 
whether you know you call it flirty or or whether you just call it um, you know charisma, um, it, it has an effect on the other person, and we need to be aware of what that effect is so that we can respond appropriately. Um, his second point for uh, raising a daughter, he says, uh, "Moms, you need to model what to teach your daughters." Um, and once again. Uh, I, I think we, we're walking a, a pretty fine line here uh, about um, making sure this is not about girls. You just need to not tempt young boys because boys will be boys. That's not what we're saying here. But there's something to be said for young men and young women that we need to dress appropriately. And the way that, that we dress communicates something about ourselves. And so um, we need to make sure that we're not sending mixed signals, calling attention to our bodily features in ways that, um, that are sexualized. Um, and that can be really hard. I've heard moms complain that it, it can be hard to shop for clothes that are not coming out of this culture that, uh, that sexualizes young girls, right? Finding shorts that are long enough and, and still fashionable and affordable, right? So there's, and there's, there's all sorts of stuff, ways that we could go with this, but we need to model what to teach our daughters in dress and in comportment, Agreed. right? And, and how we act, Agreed. right? Now, on the dad side of things, um, toward our daughters especially, uh, I love how he says this. He says, you need to actively love your daughters, right? Give your daughter words of affection, warm hugs, and gentle kisses to let her know that she's sweet, you're her daddy, and no matter how big she gets and how mature she is, that you're still going to be giving her that um, that affection and that love, right? Um, and this can be a tough thing because I think that that some men are conditioned not to be very um, how would you say not to be very affectionate, um, not only toward their, their daughters, but even toward their wives, you know, they're, they're just the whole, uh, I, I think of, uh, of the scene from Fiddler on the Roof where, uh, Reb Tevye is talking to his wife and, and she says, do you love me? And they have this whole song, uh, where, uh, where they ask each other, do you love me? And they talk about what does this love look like? Right. And sometimes, you know, we, we, as guys were like, well, I, I told you I loved you once when I married you, that should have been enough, but that's not that active love that we need to be giving not only our wives, but also our daughters. And so, um, I want my daughters to know what they should be looking for in affection from a man. So I want them to know, um, that when, when they think of, hey, how do I want uh, to be loved? I want them to think, hey, how does my dad tell me that I'm beautiful? Does he focus on my physical features or is he talking about my character, right? Yeah. And and I want them to have both of those things coming from a, a guy that they date, right? And so I want to make sure that I am giving them those things as an example. So that's what he's talking about, I think, when he says actively love your daughters. They need to have hugs. They need to have you know kisses on the forehead. They need to have, you know... I love to hold my daughter's hands when when we're at the store, or something like that. Even though she's 15, um, you know, it, I, if she puts her arms in mine and, and I can be chivalrous as we walk into the store, or you know, my 11 year old daughter wanting to hold my hands as we as we are silly and we skip into <laughs> a restaurant or something like that, I want them to know that guys can be silly and they can be affectionate as well as being protective and being strong. And that comes from from dads actively modeling what they want girls to look for. Right. I'm willing to fill what roles I can appropriately fill until the day that I turn your hand over to someone else kind of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Last but not least, um, the author mentions that uh, that we need to appropriately correct inappropriate behavior, right? Um, And that's something that we ought to be doing on every level with our kids is is that our kids deserve to be corrected, um, not punished for, for... 
behaving incorrectly, but 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 corrected. This is a better way to do things, and um, and we need to train our daughters as to what's appropriate and what isn't. And that could be everything from how she looks at guys to the makeup that she's wearing to the clothes that she wears. Right. Um, so. Whether you're a mom or dad, whether you're raising boys or girls, I, I think that the, the, the takeaway from, uh, from this podcast, I hope, uh, is that we need to be having conversations with them. We need to be counteracting what the world is shoving down their throats about what healthy sexuality is um, so that our girls can, um, can be appropriately engaging young men and our, our young men, our, our boys, can be appropriately honoring and engaging in their behavior with, uh, with young ladies. So that's the takeaway. I don't know what that looks like for you and your family, but I hope that we've given you some things to think about and maybe some starting points to be able to have some of these conversations with your kids. Um, but I know I'm, I'm speaking for both of us here. We'd love to hear your feedback on that. You know, if we've said something that you disagreed with today on the podcast, by all means, you know, uh, go back to the beginning of the podcast and listen how to how to write to us and let us know and, and tell us your perspective. We'd love to hear it. Um, if there's a, a topic similar to this that, uh, that you'd like to point us out, point out to us that we can follow up on, we'd love to hear that too. Um, we definitely want to make sure that, uh, that we're keeping our girls off the pole, that we're not, uh, not, <laughs> that we're not, uh, you know, clicking on that girls called wild link and seeing our own daughters there and uh, saying what happened. Right. But I also don't want, uh, don't want our sons to be in that situation as well, where they're, they're engaging. The in, we don't uh, want our sons on the pole either. <laughs> Keep our boys off the pole, except you know, unless you're a fireman. I guess if you've got a, you know, that's that's important. So, anyhow, thanks for joining us today uh, on a uh, kind of charged topic here. So, I imagine there's going to be some different perspectives, but we appreciate your perspective. We want to hear from you, and we want you to come back and listen to us when we put another podcast out next week. So, we invite you back to uh, to join us on our next adventure. Thanks for listening. In. Hey, we'll see you guys in the next go around. <laughs>